none of us are meant to make decisions from like a very mental place. You know, none of us are meant to create a pro-con list of what we think we should do. All of us are meant to connect to a deeper intuitive knowing, but we have different ways of accessing that. And that can be, you know, seeing what your gut responds to in that moment. That can see, that can be seeing what you feel strongly about over time. That could be trusting your intuitive knowing, talking things out with different people and seeing what remains consistent, seeing what you're actually motivated by. So it just helps us connect to like, what is the process that we can use to access that clear knowing? Welcome to the Confidence Council Podcast. This show is designed for high-achieving women who, despite having a great life, just know that they're destined for more. Whether you aren't sure what that next level is, or you have an idea, but the vision feels out of reach, then this podcast is for you. My name is Monica Burkoff. I'm a trial lawyer, a mom, and a wife. And I'm here because I know from my own experience that feeling stuck or unfulfilled does not have to be your reality. With a positive mindset and the right counsel, you too can create the life of your dreams. My hope and intention for this podcast is that you walk away feeling confident, motivated, and inspired to embrace your authentic self and to take bold action toward your dream life. Are you ready to get started? All rise. Welcome everybody to the Confidence Council podcast. I'm your host, Monica Burkoth, and today I am so excited because I have Erin Claire Jones on the show. She is a human design teacher, a thought leader, just an overall beautiful human, someone I've been following on Instagram for almost a year now, and I just adore, and she's such a beautiful energy. I'm sure you're going to feel it today. So welcome to the show, Erin. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. So today we're going to talk all about human design. And for somebody who has never heard about human design before, could you just explain what it is? Of course. So human design is a system based on your time, date, and place of birth that reveals your energetic blueprint on how you're wired to thrive, whether it's in your work, your relationships, or your life. And it really gives us each our own unique roadmap to finding more flow in our lives. How did you come across human design and why... Why did you find it so compelling that you decided to kind of create your whole life's journey around sharing it with everybody else? Yeah, Um, it was definitely not the plan. I discovered it very serendipitously. I was at a friend's gathering in New York City and met a stranger who asked to read my human design chart. And I had such a powerful reading, you know, it felt like such a kind of insightful, confronting reading where I was like, wow, I've never had somebody so accurately put me into words, but also call me out so clearly and all the things I'd been running away from. Um, and so I was very compelled by it then, but I don't think I would have chosen to go into it. It just like, didn't really feel like available in my world. And, but that initial reader actually ended that conversation by saying, Aaron, I think you're meant to do this. Um, and you know, I think we're meant to build a business together around it. And it was just like all this gut instinct that he had. So he really invited me into studying human design. And so I said, yes, and not immediately, you know, I really took the time to kind of see if it really continued to resonate. And it really just made sense to me in a way that few things had. And so um, I ended up building a business with him. He was my first teacher for two years before I launched my own practice. So I think that I was compelled by it because it was equal parts mystical and practical. I felt like it gave me this incredibly specific, useful information, but it also gave me all these practical tools to actually put that insight to life and then like actually bring it into my life. And I think I was really drawn to that. I think there are so many amazing systems that give us so much juicy information, but then we have no idea what to do with it. And I think human design gave me the insight and the tools in a way that I could actually use it to make change in my life. Can you give us a personal example of something that maybe you were doing in your life that was in total contrast to what your human design said you should be doing or how you should be living your life and how making that change after having that knowledge changed your life? 
Yeah. I mean, I think a big insight for me was around decision-making. I'm what we call an emotional authority, also known as a wait for clarity authority in human design, which basically means that I am not meant to be spontaneous or move fast in my decisions. And I think that I had always felt a real pressure to be impulsive or spontaneous because I would have an instinct. So I was like, oh, I'll just trust that. But I feel like in doing that, I entered into things in very rash ways and often regretted them. Um, and it just was like chaotic for me and chaotic for the people closest to me. And I think what human design taught me is that as sure as I might feel in the moment, it's always worth it to like sleep on it and give myself a beat. And clarity for me comes with time and not in the moment. And I think when I really started to give myself time as annoying as it felt, (laughs) I think that I just felt so much more calmer, so much more clear about my decisions. I was, it felt like I was entering into the right things in the first place. And I felt so much better once I was in them. And it was really good for everyone around me, you know, because it wasn't this kind of like, I'm doing this. No, I don't want to. It's just like, oh, I like, I felt into it. And I just know. And And I think that the way that human design reveals how we're designed to make decisions is so useful because I just think that how we enter into things is so important. And so I think when I started to do that in an aligned way, a lot shifted for me. How many charts would you say you've read now throughout your career? Oh my gosh. Um, well, you know, I would say I probably sat with, I don't know, maybe like 3000 people individually. And then I think in terms of making people's blueprint books, probably 26,000. Wow. And is it freakishly accurate every time? Because I, when I came across human design, I ran the chart for like everybody I knew, probably 20 people. Cause I was like, how, 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 how is this possible? Have you found that as oh, well? Oh yeah. Yeah. And I think that like, I expected so much skepticism early on because it is wild that we could know this much information based on our birth time, you know? Um, But I think that it just, yeah, it just is so specific and it's so accurate often in ways that I don't expect. And like even early on, I remember doing readings for friends and I would look at their chart and I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if this is them. And then I would like share it with them and they were like, oh my God, yes. And I was like, oh wow, I like don't even know your internal experience. I had no idea this would resonate in the way that it has. So um, yes, it's like, it is so, you know, I think that the way that I frame human design is like what matters is not whether it's true, but whether it's useful. And I just feel like even the most skeptical people are just like, this is the most true, most useful thing I've ever heard. So yes, it's crazy. I will say that even my first experience that when I read through it, some of the few few things I was like, no, I don't resonate with that. But then six months later, I was like, oh, yeah, that is me. You know, and I kind of continued my own self-development journey. It's so interesting how like it kind of takes just that awareness to kind of open that up within you and realize, wait, that... I've been living a lie. Like I've been like, like so conditioned to be this way that I've been so untrue to myself. And so I found it so fascinating, so helpful. Quick mm-hmm. question for you. I know you're a newer mom. Mm-hmm. Me too. Oh my God. What do you say to those? Kid? Well, I don't know about newer. I have a one-year-old and a two and a half-year-old. Wow. You have an under one. She's under one, right? Seven months. Yeah. Seven months. Oh, I love it. What do you say to those people that are like, but my mom said I, she was induced. So I wasn't supposed to be born on that day. You know, those types of people. That totally. Does that affect their chart? I think that like my belief is like we come out when we're meant to, you know? And I think that like I would just trust that. And also often designs remain consistent for quite a bit. But I think that like it can get us so in our head of like, but should it have been this way? But I just think that when we come out is when your human design comes. And like, I would, I, again, treat this all like with a grain of salt, see if it actually resonates, see if it feels useful. But, um, I think it doesn't matter whether it's an induction or a C-section or, you know, an unmedicated birth or literally whatever. I think like when it comes out as your human design, it has been my experience, even if it's scheduled. So, and you did just say that it is consistent for a period of time. So have you had that same question about twins? Like that seems so different, but they have nearly identical charts or different charts. What have you seen? It's totally variable. Like, and when I say it's consistent for a bit, it just, it's, it's variable. Like sometimes it remains really consistent throughout the day. Other times it changes really dramatically. And so it's always worth kind of taking a look if you don't know your precise time. I think in the case of twins, you know, human design lets us know our operating system, like how we're meant to make decisions, create opportunities, use our energy, work with our challenges, all those things. But it doesn't tell us what our lives are going to look like, you know, or where we're going to put our energy. And so my experience with twins is, yes, they have very similar operating systems, but often how they express that energy is radically different. 
And so I think it's really useful to kind of talk to twins and see like, does it resonate for both? And often it does, even if they're using their energy in such different ways, you know, they both might be gut driven, but what they're in like pulled to with their gut could be entirely different. So I think the expression can be very different, even if the mechanics are very similar. That is fascinating. So I I was thinking before we go any further, and I want to kind of maybe dive into my chart a little bit and talk through, talk through it. Um, I would just encourage any of the listeners to just pause right here. There's going to be a a link provided in the show notes for you to pull up your own chart. So you can follow along, you can find out your type, your strategy, your authority, all the different things. Um, So go do that and then click play and come back and let's finish the episode. So, all right. So I have, um, you also provide a blueprint. Can you just tell us generally what that is? Mm -hmm. So the blueprint is our signature offering. It is a 55 plus page guide all about your unique design. So it's basically a manual to you. It's not really filled with a lot of jargon. It's just like, how are you meant to make decisions and use your energy and work with your challenges and leverage your strengths? And it's really just meant to be a book all about how you thrive. And it's meant to be a manual that you keep coming back to. For anyone who loves like um, personality tests or like, you know, the different like little horoscopes or pop quizzes about self, you will be obsessed with this because it's oh. all about you. And I, I honestly feel like when I am feeling a little bit disconnected, I'll read a few pages and it's kind of like coming back to myself and it's such okay. like a beautiful gift. It really is. So as we were talking about the blueprint, Erin, you will be offering a discount code. So we'll also include that in the show notes below. Yes. Okay. Awesome. So do you have my chart um, or do do. you have my birthday? Okay. And all my information. Fabulous. So maybe, so let's pretend like we're a listener discovering human design for the first time. We just pulled it up and we find out our type. So just Mm -hmm. generally, what is a type and how many are there, I guess? Totally. So the type is such an important piece to start with in human design, but it's also just the first piece. You know, there's so much more underneath it. So there are five different types, projectors, generators, manifesting generators, manifestors, and reflectors. And the type is the piece of our design that really speaks to how we best use our energy. So whether we might kind of have consistent access, whether it might ebb and flow, um, and also around how we're designed to create opportunities. So to use you as an example, as a projector in human design, You know, you are somebody that is not really meant to be a consistent doer. You might find that your energy really ebbs and flows. And so having pockets of rest and space and ease in your days is super healthy for you. Um, I would also say like you are meant to be a very natural guide, leader, advisor, teacher. Again, not here to do all the doing yourself. It's important to feel supported. Your insight and sensitivity to people is like such a gift and often a thing that you are meant to build a career around. When it comes to creating opportunities, as a projector, you are not meant to chase after anything. You are meant to be invited into things. And this is often the opposite of what we've been doing. At least it was for me as a fellow projector. And so you're really kind of meant to pay attention to where you feel the most invited in and recognize and lean into those spaces. But one reminder for projectors listening is that, you know, people cannot find you unless they see you. So it's really beautiful to explore ways to let yourself be visible and let yourself be seen. And you having a podcast is such an excellent way of doing that. So it's so interesting about the working in the spurts. Like I'm yeah. someone that, I, I, like you know, it's a, it's my own thing that I have to kind of still work through. Is I put a lot of self worth in like achievement and doing, doing, yeah. doing, 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 and how many things can I get done today? And after I came across this and learned that I was a projector and I benefit from like rest and spurts, I did always know that I can get more done in two hours than most can in a day. Oh, yeah. I knew that about myself, but I was using that to do eight hours of work in a, or you know. 20 hours of work in one day versus, you know, eight. And so now after discovering it, I'll work for an hour and a half and then I'll take a walk around the block and then I'll, you know, and I'll come back and I'll, or I'll disconnect and I'll just, you know, instead of eating lunch in front of the computer and trying to get even more done, I'll literally just go sit outside and it's life changing. And just, it's so simple. And it really, I feel like I'm way more productive, way more clear, just happier. Yes. Yes. It's so well, simple. It's so simple. And it's also funny because you have an another aspect in your design. This comes from a channel, like a specific strength that you have, it, which is so much around efficiency. And so you are like meant to be so efficient, which is true for a lot of projectors, but yours is like amplified. Or like you said, you can do more in a few hours than most can in a whole day. And I mm-hmm. love that you've played with that of like, let me like do it and then take a walk and then wait for the surge of energy to return. Because I find where these people can struggle is, is especially working for others is they can like go in, do everything. And then they're like, why am I still in the office? 
like I've already done everything, you know? So I love that you really integrated those ebbs and flows into your day because it's such a more natural way to work with your energy and such a more effective way to work with your energy. Another thing you said is with the strategy, I think you mentioned like waiting um, for the invitation as opposed to like throwing yourself at people or opportunities. Yeah. I was, you know, I'm a lawyer and we have to network and look for business and I would go and I would, it was so cringy and I would hide in the bathroom and it was like so unnatural for me and I never got business that way. But when I just was a good lawyer, I was friendly to my opposing counsel. I was just like putting myself out there, just like did a good job. It came to me, you know, and again, it's something that clicks you know, a year later after learning my design and realized, oh my God, I wish I knew that before I had gone to these weekend networking trips away from my family. You know what I mean? So, totally. so helpful for life. Doesn't matter what career you're in or what you're yes. doing, right? Yes, exactly. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Just like human design, I think is not meant to limit like what we do, but more just tell us how we do it best, you know? And so we can really trust that. So you're not like, oh, I got to go do this thing that others are doing because it works for them. It's like, that's not how it's meant to work for me. You know, I think for and you, so yeah. It's, it's so like, important, like, especially when people are like so into comparison mode, you don't know what their design is. So you don't know what works for them. Like you can maybe be completely different. So she's like hustling and posting and da, 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 da. Yeah. But that may not be your, what works for you, you know? And so that's true. why it's so important to kind of just stay in your own lane and figure out your human design, right? 100%. <laughs> yes, 100%. 100%. So something that I feel like I, I originally thought and I wanted to ask you about is Once you figure out your human design, it doesn't mean that like, oh, all projectors should be lawyers or all, you know, it's not like a certain career. So can you just kind of explain how it's not necessarily a career that kind of lends itself to to the type? Yeah, I think that, you know, I think human design is meant to be a really empowering tool and not a limiting one. And so it's not meant to be a tool that's like you can do this or can't do this. It's just more around how you can thrive in whatever it is that you choose and whatever it is that you feel right you know, feel is right. Like I wouldn't say for you that you like can't do a certain career. I would say that like ideally you're going to be in a career where you feel really valued for your perspective and how you see things and not just how many hours you can put in and that you also are able to honor those natural ebbs and flows and like aren't expected to be on and available all the time. You're also somebody who's very sensitive to like others' emotions and others' stress. And so it's really healthy to kind of be around people that are managing their stress in healthy ways and feel like emotionally healthy to take in you know? And so there's just, and, and you're very, you know, it's funny that you're a lawyer because like you have the gift of marketing, which is really about just like languaging things in a way that people can really hear and like adapting your messaging to lots of different audiences. So I can imagine you can be very persuasive when you desire to be and have a lot of conviction, you know? So like these things can manifest in so many ways, whether you're like an online coach or a lawyer or an actor artist, but I think that it, it more helps us know what are the conditions under which we'll thrive and how can we build those into the careers that feel right to us? And I would say for you specifically, it's like if a career feels like it's one that's making you feel deeply seen and recognized as a projector and it feels really intuitively right, then it's the right one for you. And like only you will know that. I can't tell you that. Um, we've talked about just generally type and strategy. Other than waiting for the invitation, can you maybe give us one more example of something that a, a listener might see when they're logging into their chart? Of course. So another example of a type and strategy would be um, generators. And so generators are really here to be very natural doers, um, have amazing energy to kind of build, create, and make things happen when they're really lit up by what they're doing. And their strategy is really about kind of letting things come to them and waiting for things to spark a gut response in them before they go after it. Um, There's also manifestors, very kind of innovative, disruptive forces here to just like initiate and get things started. They are here to pursue things when they feel an urge within just to kind of like pursue that urge without waiting for any kind of invitation or response. So it's just a good reminder that like, again, we're so different. Like some of us are meant to pursue it. Some of us are meant to wait for our gut to lead us. Some of us are meant to wait for somebody to be like, Hey, you, I want to invite you. I want your gifts in here. Um, But those are a few other examples of different possibilities with strategy. Do you, do you recommend looking up the, the human design of like your partner? Or someone you're dating before you commit. (laughs) Oh, okay. Um, No. So I think that, yes, I do recommend looking up the design of the people close to you 100%. Um, I'm I'm not going to be similar to a lot of human design people because some people really believe you you should use human design to know exactly who to hire and who to partner with. And I just don't think it's useful in that way. Like I work with a lot of teams, but it just is confusing. You know, I think that like, I would trust your intuition to know who feels correct to you partnership wise, 
who feels right correct to collaborative wise. And then I would look up their design to then know how best to support them and have them support you. Because like, I just don't think there's like a good or bad thing. Like I, I would say dating somebody who's very similar to your design could be wonderful in so many ways because there's just such a natural harmony and way of experiencing and seeing the world. And I think dating somebody who's very different could be really attractive and really magnetic as long as you realize how different they are and you really honor that. So my feeling about it is like, trust your intuition, trust your decision-making to bring you to the right person. Then look at their designs to kind of know how best to support one another. What, uh, but going back to the chart, what is something else that is in, that's within the chart that you can, um, that we can just chat about that'll help somebody like in their own personal development journey? Like what's important to know and kind of extract? I would say another piece, you know, I talked a little bit about my own, but looking at your authority is really useful because our authority speaks to how we best make decisions. So some people are like me and they're meant to sleep on things and feel into things. Other people are meant to kind of trust their gut feeling in the moment. You're somebody who's meant to be very intuitively driven, like actually the opposite of me, like really spontaneous, fast, quick in your decision-making. Other people need to talk things out, be in the right space. Other people need to give themselves a month before they commit. So there's just so much variation in how we choose. So I would really recommend diving into your authority because I think that is one of the most important pieces. I'm curious, like as somebody who's meant to be spontaneous and fast and intuitively driven, does that feel true for you in your decision-making? Does that feel like a thing that you've trusted in your life? thousand percent. And there's never an explanation behind it. Like, it just feels like, yeah, I, I know or I don't know right away. And people are hemming and hawing. I'm like, let's go. You know, I, you expect everyone to be the same. Like, yeah. why are you so indecisive? Why do you need to poll everybody? Um, that's how I used to feel. But then I know, isn't that someone that's a, that's a design type, isn't it? Exactly. Yes. So there are people that need to poll to make they, a decision. They do. But when they poll, it's less about what others are saying, but more about how they're feeling when they say it. So like it's good for them to talk things out, but not because they're looking for advice, just because they need to go through the process of like speaking about it out loud and kind of see what truth emerges. So what's funny is my best friend, um, I was in the hospital when her daughter was born and they, they couldn't figure out what the middle name was. And I was like, I don't understand. Like, you know, and so what we did, I was like, how about we put, we flip a coin, this side will be this name, this side will be this name. And then when you flip it and it lands, you'll feel some type of way if it's the right name or the not, if it's right. So is it similar yeah. to that? Yes. Yeah. Yes. But they're, oh God, they're also different. Like I would say it's more around, that would be true more if somebody has a gut feeling, because if somebody has a gut feeling in terms of their decision-making, they're just here to see like how they feel in their gut when something shows up in their world. And so, yes, you're right. If the coin flips and they're like, oh, that feels right. Then they follow that. When the talking things out is an off, is a thing where it's basically like, I would be like, oh, I'm really excited about that job. And I would say it out loud. I'm like, oh, yeah, I really am excited. Like it would be like the process of saying it out loud that would bring me clarity. Um, so again, there are little nuances here, but like none of us are meant to make decisions from like a very mental place. You know, none of us are meant to create a pro-con list of what we think we should do. All of us are meant to connect to a deeper intuitive knowing, but we have different ways of accessing that. And that can be, you know, seeing what your gut responds to in that moment. That can see, that can be seeing what you feel strongly about over time. That could be trusting your intuitive knowing talking things out with different people and seeing what remains consistent, seeing what you're actually motivated by. So it just helps us connect to like, what is the process that we can use to access that clear knowing? Does that make sense? Yeah, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So the authority is so important. Yes. Um, and you, you've talked about emotion, kind of gut. Um, what, what was the name of the one where you're kind of saying it out loud? That's also, that's called talk it out or self-projected. And then there's another one called be in the right space and talk it out or none. And that's another way, version of talking it out. But that um, the difference here is around kind of talking it out in different spaces that feel good because they have an additional piece of needing to kind of be in the right space. So there are seven authorities. There's wait for clarity, emotional, which is about sleeping on things. Trust your gut sacral, which is about trusting your gut in the moment. Yours, tune into your intuition or splenic trusting your intuitive knowing in the moment. It's more of a quiet whisper, not a gut feeling. There are some people that are ego known as tune into your willpower, which is all about doing what their heart is pulling them towards, what they feel motivated by, what they really desire. There's talk it out, also known as self-projected, which is about kind of talking a decision out and seeing what feels true when they say it out loud. There's be in the right space and talk it out, which is also known as none. And it's about kind of being in different spaces that feel good and talking things out in those spaces. And then finally for reflectors, they're meant to wait a lunar cycle. So giving themselves a full month to kind of really feel into a big decision to confirm it's right for them. I know it sounds a little bit wild, but I think 
reflectors can't always give themselves that full month. But I think what I always remind them is they need time to kind of disentangle what's not theirs from what is and kind of land in their own truth. And so I know that that's a lot of jargon for those that are new to human design. But I think if you take anything away from that, it's around the fact that, again, we all choose differently. And and to your point of understanding the people close to you, this is such an important piece because I can imagine for you, you're fast and you might feel a little bit annoyed with people that aren't as fast as you. You're like, I already know, like, why am I waiting when I already know what we want to do? But like, you might be partnered with or friends with somebody who finds clarity by sleeping on things and taking their time. And like, they need that. And it benefits you to wait for their clarity. So you're not like dealing with them regretting their decisions. So it is just so, so, so useful to know the designs of those close to us, whether it's collaborators or partners or kids, because it reminds us how to collectively make decisions in a harmonious way and to really honor different ways of making decisions. I love that you said that about the kids too. Like, you know, I've got two small boys and I I don't want to put on them like, all right, let's go. Why don't you make me, you know, pick a toy, you know? And so I need to double check. I have them both pulled up. I think they're both Manny Jen's manifesting generators, but I need to pull up exactly what their authority is so I can remember that so that I'm not putting myself onto them or like, you know, conditioning them unnecessarily. I know there's a lot of that unnecessarily, but so what, so what's another aspect of the chart? I would say the profile think is important for us to kind of pull out. The profile is another really important piece. Um, it's this piece that speaks to kind of how we can best align with our purpose, but also gives us so much juicy information about different parts of our chart. So this is going to be a fraction looking number. If you haven't yet looked up your chart, you can at humandesignblueprint.com, but the profile would be like a five, one or six, two or one, three. So, um, you're five, one, is that right? Yeah. You're mm-hmm. five, one. So I'm going to, so for anyone that has a five or a one somewhere in their profile, some of what I share will be applicable to you. So if you're a three, five or a two, five, listen to the five piece. If you're a one, three or four, one, listen to the one piece. So the five part of your profile is around the fact that you are somebody who is really here to be a very practical problem solver. Like you're here to come into situations and offer very disruptive, new, different ways of seeing things. Um, just because you're good at solving problems does not mean you're meant to solve all the problems. So it's important for you to be very discerning about which ones are worth your energy and also which ones you feel like foundationally strong. And you're like, I am like built to solve this thing, you know, and to kind of let go of the rest. I think an important piece for you to be aware of with a five in your profile is that it's very easy for people to project things onto you, you know, to project that you can solve a certain problem for them, be a certain kind of friend, be a certain kind of partner, be a certain kind of parent. Um, And it's easy for you to kind of get swept away in all the possibility that others see in you. And a big lesson for you is to make sure that what you're saying yes to feels super authentic and right to you. And you're not saying yes, just because of what others see in you. Does that make sense? Yeah. Have you noticed that at all in your career and life where like, other people's visions for you have been the things that have guided you rather than really taking the time to be like, does this actually feel like me? A thousand percent. I mean, becoming a lawyer was the vision that my parents held for me, you know, and like something that they, you know, they were immigrants and it was very important to go into a traditional career that had, you know, stable money and had, you know, good status or whatever. And, and then I'm, you know, 10 years in and I'm looking around and I'm like, who am I living for? You know, who is it? Who is this for? Totally. Well, I, I'm so glad you bring that up because I work with so, I do so many family sessions where the kids have a five in their profile. And I always just remind them of that, you know, of just like, it's really easy to see possibility in your kid and like what a gift that is, you know, but like take the time to discover whether that's actually what they want. You know, I sat with a mother whose son was in high school and like, he was really good at football, you know? And like, and we talked about it and it was just became so evident that like, his pursuit of football was simply because everybody wanted that and saw his potential. But like, she had like a very candid conversation where he's like, I don't want to do this. I never have. And like, I realize I'm good at it. Everyone's wanted me to do it. And I've been really swept away, but like I'm over this. And she was like, Oh my God, like we've just been like putting this vision on him. And like, as a new mom, it's like, I can see how tempting that is. You know what I mean? Cause you're like, you're amazing. Do this thing, you know? And even with a seven month old, I'm already feeling that way. So it just, it requires, I think some practice to just be like, is this really them? And I think like, honestly, for you as a projector, like the best relationships are likely the ones where you're just given such space to be all the things that you are. You don't kind of feel like limited or boxed in or confined or like you have to show up or be just one thing. Resonates for sure. Yeah. So then what does the one mean then together with the five or, or is it each separately and then there there's a meaning together? 
It's both. Yeah. They both have separate meanings and then there's going to be an additional um, meaning based on the combination. So the one in your profile is around the fact that you are somebody who's here to be a very natural expert and authority. You know, you're really here to like dive into the details and just like really just become very knowledgeable at whatever you do. And, and what often makes you good is you're like, I have gone deep. My authority is strong. I know exactly what I'm talking about and I can be really successful because of that, you know? So taking the time to kind of dive deep and become an authority is really important. I think it's important though, that you are diving deep into things that you really want to master. So if you're in a career, like say law or something else where you don't actually care about continuing to master the details and getting better at it, it often is a signal that like it's time to move on, you know? And so it's a, a good compass for you is like, what is the thing that I just like can't stop learning about? want to learn all the details about like that often is a really great place to go. Um, and there's just like a real introspective, deep wanting to understand how things work. Um, before I talk about the combination, how does that feel to you? Do you feel that kind of investigative introspective nature? A thousand percent. And I do feel like I can keep learning and learning and learning and learning and learning. And then I feel like I'm never ready because there's always so much more to learn. Like I'm not ready to step out yet um, because I haven't finished this or I haven't read this or I haven't completed this course, you know, that just like this never ready kind of feeling because of that like insatiable appetite to like learn and digest. And yeah, it's just like, it's a good, just like checking. I'm like, do I still want to master this thing? Do I still really want to dive deep into this thing and really letting that be your guide? Um, in terms of the combination, like, you know, you are here to be a very, natural problem solver and also like a real expert in authority. And so I would say for you, it's important to be solving problems that you're like feel foundationally strong in where you're like, I am so set up to solve this. I have dug deep. I am prepared to solve this problem. And you're also going to have this dance in your design between this need to kind of be introspective, dive deep and learn. And then a need to kind of be out there solving problems and offering new perspectives. Like you are not meant to be on call solving problems all this, all the time. It's like, let me go solve the thing and then kind of retreat, be in my own energy, keep learning. So kind of finding that relationship and balance between the two. That resonates too, because about like the retreat and stuff, because I feel like after work, uh, my husband used to work nights. He's a police officer. And after work and solving all the problems and answering all the emails and doing all the things, I would just like want to go home and talk to no one. And so my, yeah. my friends would be like, oh, aren't you so lonely? Like, you know, your husband's not home. And I'm like, no, I love it because I can like have a moment to myself and not be do taking care of everybody's problems all day long, you know? Um, so yeah, I feel like that really resonates with me as well. Totally. And I would just say this is really true for all projectors as well. Just like you know, there's such a sensitivity. And so time and space alone to kind of be in your own energy is so key simply as a way to kind of release and let go of the energy that's not your own. Mm. Yeah. yeah um, I don't think that yeah. I did that at all growing up, like, you know, into my, in my twenties and stuff like that, just like carried other people's stuff always, you know? And so, yeah, yeah. it's so important to take that time for yourself, especially even with kids or spouses, or if you have roommates, just like get it off of you, you know, <laughs> just like, Come back to yourself. Totally. It's so important, right? For every energy yeah. type, I would think. Everyone, you know, and like, and another really cool piece of our chart is what we call our undefined or open centers. These are the white shapes in your design. And they're basically the areas that really reveal where you're the most sensitive to others. And so that can be a really useful tool to just understand like, where am I taking in the most energy from others? You know? And so like, again, for you, one big area is just other people's emotions you know, and, and how they're feeling. And so like, it's so, it makes you so wise and so empathic, but it obviously can be very overwhelming as well. And so a big lesson for you is just like really being like, oh, I'm feeling all this stuff. It's actually not my own. So I'm not going to get oh my lost. God. I feel this. like so seen yeah. right now because my oh. husband will be annoyed at something, but I'll feel it like times a thousand, yeah. you know? And he's like, I'm Amplified. like, why are you mad? Why are you annoyed? Da, da, da. And he's like, I'm not that I, you know, he's like, it was at like a two I'm sensing it at like a 10 and he's telling me, you're making me mad because you keep asking me, but I'm really, I wasn't that annoyed. Like, is that a thing that I could like pick up extra? hundred percent. It's like a 200% of what they're feeling. Like somebody's feeling a thing at hundred percent and you're like, okay, I double that. And now that's what I'm feeling. And so like, that's why it's so useful to be aware of those things because you're like, oh, like you're feeling this thing, not mine. Let me just take some space. And like another area where that can happen for you is stress. Like if somebody's feeling stressed, you can really amplify their stress and it can lead to this like frenetic energy and like having to make things happen fast when like not everything deserves your urgency, not everything needs to happen right now. So it's such a cool piece of your design to look into because it's so easy to kind of get swept away with everyone else's energy when it's just not really yours. 
where can you find that on the chart or is that when you look up those the are the white shades design blueprint okay so the white shades yeah so in your in your blueprint they're the open centers but in when you look at the chart they're the white shapes and so like you know the the four areas just to give you kind of the taste one is you're very sensitive to other people's emotions again makes you such a beautiful wise empath but also requires a healthy level of detachment and awareness that not everything is your own, nor do you have to fix other people's emotions. This will likely be important for your kids too, to kind of like let them move through their emotional ways without taking responsibility for them. Another big lesson for you comes from your sensitivity to other people's stress and knowing that like, even when they're stressed, like you don't have to move fast, you know, not everything needs to happen right now. So kind of giving yourself space to slow down and rest. Another area where you're really sensitive is to how others feel about their work. And so if you're around people that feel really excited about what they're doing, it will be very magnetic and like give you a lot of energy. Sorry, magnetic, I mean energizing. And like you have so much energy to make things happen. But if you're around people that are really depleted, not enjoying their work, they're going to project sluggishness that you will then take in. Um, and then finally, you're somebody who is very easily inspired by all the ideas from the people around you, which is such a cool gift, but it also means that you can feel quite scattered. And so just like really having discernment and knowing like, what are the ideas that I genuinely feel the most inspired to pursue and knowing that like, just because there's a momentary sense of inspiration does not mean that idea is worth pursuing. That makes sense. That is so, yes, yes. And I feel that I'm like part of this like group coaching thing right now. And everyone is so excited about working toward whatever they're working toward. And um, I can feel that and I get so jazzed in those meetings. And then I'll have like a coworker that's like, wah, wah, one day and they'll, I'll, It'll, I feel like it'll kind of bring me down until I go reset, you know? So I do feel that. Yes. Totally. Exactly. One of the things that I'm super fascinated by that I, I'm really curious to hear your thoughts on is the the incarnation cross. I'm, I mean, I've looked it up. It's kind of like called like a life theme. Yeah. Is that how you would refer to it? Well, so I, our incarnation cross really speaks to kind of our grander purpose. Um it's such a cool, insightful part of our design, but it's not very actionable. And so I often don't recommend people dive into it at first because they'll often like read about this purpose that they don't feel connected to. And they're like, how do I get there? And like human design, like your incarnation cross will not tell you how to get there. Like living your design and living in alignment will be the thing where it just like naturally manifests. So often when you've been living in alignment, your incarnation cross just naturally happens, you know? And so But to give you an example, um, the most important pieces of your cross, one is around the fact that like, a huge part of your design is being like a very influential leader. And it's like a different kind of leadership. You are not meant to be this very like authoritative bossy leader where you're like, I'm the boss. Everybody listen to me. Like you're meant to be a leader that like, you don't even want to lead, but everyone wants you to lead because they trust you. Like you're somebody who's meant to kind of be pulled into leadership more than you seeking it out. And you carry like a lot of natural influence. I don't know if you've noticed this in your life that like people want to know like how you're doing things, what you're like, what you're choosing in your relationship at home. Like you just carry all this natural influence that people just like want to follow before I keep going. Does that, do you recognize that at all in your life? I do. And, and, but I also recognize that like, even as early as high school, like I, like wanted to be like the captain of the cheerleading squad. Like I was annoyed when someone else got picked. So I felt like that urge to want to lead early, but then also like at work, yeah, I'm like a friend, you know, but I'm the boss, you know, but everyone kind of talks to me and casually and like the other boss, they don't talk to, like they talk to me. I feel, you know, everyone feels more comfortable with me. Like I'm one of them. Yes. Well, I love that because I, well, I, I think that like what makes these people really effective leaders is being so attuned to who they're leading you know, where they're just like, I'm so aware of all your needs and where you are. And I can steward others effectively because of it, you know? And so that's what makes you the most influential, you know, it's just being so connected to and so aware. Um, You're somebody who's very driven to like new experiences, new things to learn from, you know, having new things that you're learning and experiencing is such a grounding force in your life. So kind of continuing to create space for that. You're also somebody who's like really here to bring all these like new mystical, weird ideas to life. Like you might find that sometimes your insights are a little bit out there and like a little bit freaky and a little bit like different, you know? And so being able to kind of share your opinion with people that are really ready for it is also a big part of your calling. And then the last piece that I would share is that you do just have so much natural wisdom around people, such a genius around people and what they need and where they are. And so being really, again, connected to the people around you and really honoring that in whatever role you're in is so important. Wow. That sounds so beautiful. Does it feel connected at all to where you are right now or does it feel like a little bit farther from that? It feels like where I'm trying to be and, you know, currently with my 
with my career. Yeah, I'm I'm playing out my human design. Like I'm taking advantage of the things and and trying to live in alignment as close as I can in a in a career that feels unaligned. Yeah. Um but which which I think speaks to the fact that you can still live in alignment when you're working in a place that's not aligned, right? I mean like as close as you can get. So there is no like one right path, but I do feel as I'm like working towards the coaching and stuff that I feel way more called and I feel like I have like more to offer and more to share over there, um, which will kind of lend itself to kind of what the things that you've just talked about, yes, which makes exactly. me even more excited to I know, get started with that. Yeah. yeah. And the incarnation cross can be a cool piece of keep returning to you to be like, oh, wow, I'm like really seeing this like actualized in my life in such a different way. You might just like observe in a year, you experience really differently. How many are there of those incarnation crosses? 192. Oh, okay. So that's a lot. Um, is there any like wacky one that you don't see very often? I mean, honestly, they all feel so rare in some ways because there are so many different ones, you know, um, there's not, uh, I don't feel like there's a really wacky one that I see, but you know, people will express it in really different ways. Like, again, it's not, it doesn't have to be limited to like one thing where it's like, I was just like looking at Kim Kardashian's human design. I'm like, not really um, a pop culture person. People really asked about her chart and like hers is like on the cross of laws, which is so much around innovating specifically around like laws and structures and it's of society. And it's really interesting because like she is, I think, pursuing a law degree and, you know, has been really interested in a lot of prison reform. So that's a very kind of like, you know, obvious example of it, but it can also just be somebody who's just like innovating. Like they're just like, I see all the way things are being done and I want to do it differently. So it can be expressed in so many different ways. So I think that's always what's most interesting to me is like hearing how people with similar incarnation crosses express their purpose in different ways, because similar to the twin piece, like you can read the same thing on paper, but the way that you understand and actualize it can be entirely different. What's your incarnation cross? Mine is called the left angle cross of dedication. And it's all around, which is funny. It's all around communication and kind of like bringing new, really interesting ideas to the world in really simple and accessible ways. And it's so much around being a teacher and honestly talking about the same thing over and over and over again. But like, it just feels like a little bit different every time, which is like, obviously what I'm doing through human design. I think that there will be different expressions of that throughout my life. But for me, it's a good reminder of like, oh yeah, like this is like what I do. And this is why I'm doing, this is why I enjoy what I'm doing. What I do is like finding a, a new different kind of weird thing and finding really simple ways to share about it. And it doesn't exhaust me saying the same thing over and over again in a way that it probably does for a lot of people. Mm, that is so amazing. I know, I, cool. it, it's really, I mean, if you haven't done this, go do it right now. I don't understand why you're waiting. <laughs> so <laughs> one of the other things that I wanted to ask you about, I've never noticed this one before is the motivation yeah. I've got fear. Fear. I'm motivated I know. by fear. Tell I me hate more. These names. I know. I just like, I think some of these names are not super useful. Um, fear is actually more similar to your profile in some ways. Like it's motivated to like get to the bottom of things to kind of like shine a light on like everything to just like understand what's really working. So being motivated by fear is not about like, I'm going to choose based on fear. Of course not. It's about like really being motivated to like sniff things out, get to the bottom of things, really understand how things work. Um, and just like not sweep things under the rug, but really understand things. Okay. And then the other one was, was the environment because my husband and I have different environments and we're like, does that mean we're not supposed to be living together <laughs> or in the same state or what is that? What does the environment mean? What is your husband's environment? Mountains. Okay. I love that question because uh, no, it doesn't mean that you can't live together. I think that there are some pieces of human design that I think are more useful a little bit later on in your journey, mostly because I think it's really easy to like misinterpret these, these things where you're like, I'm caves, he's mountains, we're incompatible, you know? And it's like, our environments are not, they're symbolic. They can be found in so many places. So like to give you an example of two people that live together as caves and mountains. And this is from a session a few weeks ago. They actually had three different environments in one space. So caves is all about having a very kind of safe, protected space in your home that you can really kind of cozy up and do like kind of a little nook that's yours that you can control, especially with two kids. Like ideally that you can like close the door and you know who comes in and who comes out. So you can have that in any space. You know, I sat with people that lived in a high rise in New York city, their son had caves and he was always building forts because it just kind of became his little nook, you know, his little protected space. So I would say for you in a home, it's important to have like a cave like space that you can retreat to that feels very cozy connected and like you're in control of. 
Does that make sense? Oh yeah. Yeah. For mountains, um, mountains is around elevation. It's about having a view, you know, ideally these people are living up high where they like, you know, maybe their office is on the second floor. They can like look down and see things. You know, again, this family that I sat with, the father had mountains as instead of his environment, which was perfect because they were like living in a New York city high rise. And all he saw was have a view, even if it wasn't mountains, you know? So I think these people often love just having a new different vantage point. So you might find that he enjoys, um, you know, hotels that are not on the ground floor, ideally like having a view from a pie, going on hikes or things like that. But there's something around kind of pulling back and having perspective that's so healthy for him. It's so him. It's, it's you described him perfectly. It really, I mean, it's really incredible how, how accurate this is for everybody. It really is amazing. So one more question about um, your daughter. Did you run her chart and how are you, if so, which I would expect you probably have, how are you adjusting maybe parenting to like acknowledge and, and, and what's the word I'm looking for? Like embrace her human design. Yeah. We did run our chart. My husband did, I think like five minutes after she was born, he like whispered in my ear, you know, I'm still just like, what the, what just happened? (laughs) You know, I was in a whole different world, but she's a manifesting generator. I'm like, ah, um, but you know, it's interesting. I think that she's seven months old, so she's young. Um, I think that I'm not like looking at her design every day and I'm like, how do I honor this? Like, because she's a baby. And like, I think that I'm really just trying to pay attention to where she is and what she needs for me. I think that what I love about knowing her design is that her design is so different than mine. You know, she's like here to be like a doer. She has all this willpower. Like she's meant to be very like this is how I do things. And I'm not moving from that. So like, I just like have all these little insights into her that I think I'm just going to start paying attention to. And like, not in a way where it's going to be a super rigid thing, but being like, Oh, like, you know what her design says that she's like really sensitive to space. So let me just check in to make sure her bedroom feels good. Or, you know, like it says that she's actually not meant to be super adaptable. Like she's really like grounded in who she is. Let me just like really ask her how she wants to do things and what feels good for her. Like, you know, she's not meant to like rush into decisions. Let me just like let the emotions move and see how she feels tomorrow. So for me, it feels like it gives me all these little points of awareness to just stay connected to who she is and how she does things and just become curious about it, you know, Um, but not like being like, you must do this or I'll force you to do anything like that. But again, what feels particularly supportive for me is that her design is so different than mine. And so I, I find where parents can often struggle. I had a client recently who like, he was so frustrated with his daughter because he was just like, she's like trying so many hobbies. She's not choosing just one. Like she was soccer and then lacrosse and then baseball. And like, he's like, she's just like really flaky. And I was like, she's not really flaky. Like her design is about trying on and letting go of things. Whereas yours is about like committing to one thing and mastery. Like you guys are really different. And he was like, oh my God, like I've been so mad at her because she's so different than me. And now that I know she's really different then I like can figure out how to support her differently. And so I think that like, that's what I'm most excited about is just like human design has expanded my perspective of how somebody can operate. And so I'm not expecting her to be like me. I know pretty clearly and certainly that she's not going to be like me in a lot of ways. And so I'm just really curious to kind of see how it manifests. But I, I think that I'm just like, I have it in the background and I'm just using it to observe her. I think that's the best part. Just acknowledge, just looking it up to acknowledge they're not exactly like me. So they're exactly. not, and I can expect them to make decisions like me or move like me or want to do the things that I want to do. Exactly. And you can stop there, honestly, just to, just to know that and as a parent, you know, it's so, it's so good. I, when I did my two boys, one is just how you described, wants to try everything. And the other one is the opposite. Um, you're going to have to show him things, introduce him to things, show him options. And so, um, just knowing that, you know, now I know, uh, or push him or encourage him because he won't have like that kind of sense himself. So exactly. it's it just, it's just so cool to know and so helpful just to create so relationships, build relationships and maintain relationships, I think. 100%. So Erin, what can you say that we haven't already covered that you think um, could really help propel someone who is interested in like their own self-development journey and like want to get into this and are interested to kind of get to know themselves a little bit clearer. Have we covered all the main topics or is there something else that you think we want to touch on? I think we've covered all of them. I think another piece that I would recommend diving into in your design, maybe not at first is your channels, because those are just going to represent innate strengths that you carry. And we talked about some of yours, you know, we talked about the marketing one, the one that you're like super efficient, can do more in a few hours than most can in a whole day. We talked about, um, 
you know, the one where you're a very natural leader. Another one we did talk about is the fact that you're like an endless well of ideas. Like you just have like way more ideas than you could ever make happen. You're here to kind of inspire people with all your ideas and possibilities. So I think it can be really useful to know what your strengths are so you can lean into them because so often we make ourselves wrong for them. We're like, everybody can be that efficient, you know, like, and it's just like, no, it's really you. It's your gift. Lean into that gift. So I think it really helps us remember that those things are real gifts and gives us more tools to step into them. I will say the human design chart, as you probably discovered in your own journey is endless in what it can offer us. And so I would also remind those listening, like, you know, the magic of human design is not you memorizing every single detail, but really beginning to kind of explore and experiment with the things that you feel the most drawn to, you know? So just giving yourself permission to kind of take it one piece at a time without rushing into it all. Oh, is it's so true. It's just like a lifelong kind of thing. Every time you look back, you kind of pick up something new and it really is so valuable. It's yeah, invaluable for sure. So Erin, tell the listeners how they can connect with you and how they can get their hands on their own customized blueprint book. Of course. So on Instagram, I'm at Erin Claire Jones and human design blueprint. Um, if you want to get your blueprint book, you can get that at humandesignblueprint.com slash guide confidence is a discount code. Um, and then also if you want to go deeper, we have lots of classes. I'm about to do a live course. I offer sessions, but if you want to start anywhere, start with the blueprint guide. It is such a beautiful, accessible exploration of all the most important pieces of your unique design that, like you said, is meant to be a thing that you keep returning to, you know, and it can often be such a beautiful tool, especially when you are experiencing moments of resistance or challenge. And I will say Erin is such a good follow because I feel like every day she posts this little reminder about your the different types and how you can use like different ways that it could be put into practice or affirmations and different things like that. Um, and so something that I'm checking in on every morning myself personally, and I think that you guys will all love if you love this episode, I'm sure you did. So thank you so much, Erin. This was so incredible. My thank pleasure. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Confidence Council podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please make sure you click the follow button so that you're notified every time a new episode drops. If you want more content between episodes, check out the show's Instagram account and website, which will be linked in the show notes for you below. If you're walking away from today's episode feeling more confident or empowered in some way, please share it with a friend or share it on social media so that others can benefit from it too. Thank you again, and I'll see you back here next week. Bye for now.